Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Religion is like a pair of shoes. Find one that fits for you, but don't make me wear your shoes. Welcome to Religious Discrimination, the 137th episode of Three Pagans and the Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of comedian George Carlin. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. <laughs> you can call me Car. I'm Ode's father. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn Ode's mother. So let's start with housekeeping. Car, what so are the things you do? So we have one new patron. Okay. Haley Bourne's daughter, who is a hunter. Well, welcome to Haley, and mm-hmm. thank you to uh, all of our patrons. Mm-hmm. Yep. So normally, in the past, I have done Sunday, mm-hmm. 2 chit-chats. o'clock to 4 o'clock, chit-chats on, on Zoom. Zoom. The brewery is now open. On Sundays. On Sundays. The car is booked. I'm booked. I'm booked. so booked. It's ridiculous. Just keep doing what I, you're doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do love you guys. I just don't have enough time in my life for everything. Mm-mm. And this is the one thing that's kind of going to have to go away, I think, mm-hmm. yep. um, is me running the Zoom. That doesn't mean I won't go to pop in from time to time and at least say hello mm-hmm. and give you bad advice on where to buy cool <laughs> shit. Yeah, I just can't commit to, to running it all the time anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah. Elle says, poor car is too popular for its own good. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot going on. Like, well, two Tuesdays a month I do D&D. Two Tuesdays a month I do Three Another Pagans podcast. on Tap. podcast, yeah, which is the other thing That's you do. So yes, yeah. So, yeah, so I do uh, every other Tuesday, so not this Tuesday, but the upcoming one after that, I do Three Pagans on Tap, which is available on Facebook Live and YouTube. Mm-hmm. With Sarenth Odinson and Malik Odinson. It's very cool. We talk about alcohol and non-alcoholic drinks sometimes and how it relates to our experiences in paganism. And I would like to tell everybody right now that going forward, the podcast will no longer go up on Monday nights. Right. The podcast will go up on Tuesday nights. Tuesdays at 7 p.m., same time, different day. And say why. Same time, not the same bat station. Uh, and it's because I now have Mondays off and mm-hmm. we wanted to spend a family day together. And so... Which means I can't spend the whole evening editing. Right. Exactly. But yep. we'll still record on Sundays. Yes. Yep. And Melkor says, hang on to your spoons. We get it. Yeah. So... Yep. Gwen, talk about the things you do. Okay. First, Spring Mysteries is going to be next weekend, April 1st through the 4th. Uh, you can find that information at springmysteries.com. It's being hosted by the Aquarian Tabernacle Church. I'm going to be teaching a class on Sunday at 4. Um, I don't think the current 2021 schedule is up yet. They still have last year's schedule. But it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm planning to go to the different classes and hear what people are teaching. The registration is only $50 for four days of teaching, and they have other Type, they have rituals and they have online shopping. It's going to be a really cool event, I think. Springmysteries.com, and I hope you will check it out. 
The other thing is I am writing a book. Mm -hmm. It's going to be published by Wicker Press. They actually have a description of the book, so I thought I would share Very it. Good. It's a detailed look at a devotional, inclusive witchcraft practice centered upon the earth as a world soul, as well as the foundation upon which nature and spirituality intersect. In this book, I will provide first-hand personal experiences and gnosis on honoring the planet Earth through eco-friendly choices, simple acts of devotion, and spiritual communication with the Earth deity as a non-binary entity. Plus, there's going to be magic stuff. So, <laughs> nice. Lots of stuff. So, anyway, those are the things that I'm doing, plus writing for Patheos Pagan. And I think that's all our housekeeping. So we are house kept and house swept. Yep. And the blog is a good segue because that's why we're doing this. That is. This particular episode topic this week. So Gwen. That's right. Explain the thing. Well, it all started when on um, Friday morning, I think, I read an article that was in a friend's Facebook feed about a woman in Pennsylvania who is a pagan who is suing Panera Bread Company because she was fired for being a pagan. So I was like, what the fuck? So right. I opened Give me up. details. I opened the article, and what happened was in 2019, her name is Tammy McCoy. She was hired by Panera as a baker, and everything was fine until May of 2020 when she was on a break with her general manager, the assistant general manager, and another employee. A bunch of high muckety mucks. Yep. The assistant manager, I believe, is the one who said that she was a Christian and asked Ms. McCoy what her religion was. She doesn't discuss these things at work, but she felt like she had to answer because it was one of her bosses. There was coercion. Yeah. So she said, I'm a pagan. The response was immediate to, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. And they kind of ganged up on her a little bit. So she just said, okay, and walked away. Right. So she got some verbal harassment. Right. Then it started to go downhill from there. She, the next time the schedules came up, her hours had been slashed mm -hmm. and she went to talk to the assistant manager who said, and I quote, your hours will be cut until you find God, unquote. That's straight from the lawsuit. That's, uh, that's <laughs> unambiguously religious discrimination exactly. oh, yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. From there it gets worse. They kept slicing her hours down further and further, sending her home during the day, mm -hmm. things like that. But, and they also made it a hostile work environment by telling her she was going to hell, telling her her religion wasn't, wasn't a, real. a real religion, telling her they were going to, quote unquote, pray for her. So she did the next logical thing. She went to the district manager. She went up the chain. Yeah, she went up the chain to report how she was being treated. And was blown off. She was told, oh, they're just joking. You're blowing, or, it, out you're blowing it out of proportion. Why are you being so sensitive? That kind of shit. So she asked for the number to HR for the main office. You know, Corporate the, the HR. Corporate HR. And was told, again, this is from the lawsuit, if you call HR, you're fired. <laughs> well, she went ahead and found the number for herself and attempted to contact Panera Bread. And this has gone over, this is several weeks. Right, this is a, an extended period of time. This is an extended time. period of time, so like maybe a month and a half, two months worth of, of pressure and harassment. And so she finds the information herself to make the report and never hears back from corporate. Mm -hmm. They never respond to her. And a week or two later, when she sees the district manager again, the district manager is basically taunting her and saying, so how'd that call to HR go for you? Mm -hmm. And then asked for her resignation, told her she had to quit. They've been suppressing this woman and harassing her. And so she gets fired. Mm -hmm. They fire her and 
They fire her husband, who also works at the same Panera location, which was in Pennsylvania. So what the news report that I read said was that on Wednesday last, Mm -hmm. she filed a lawsuit against Panera Bread, against these individuals and the parent company for religious discrimination, Mm -hmm. harassment and, and other things. Panera... The only statement they have made has been a mocking tweet on their Twitter page that is a graphic of a circle of candles that has the words uh, like pepperoni flatbread. And in the comment above, it says, shh, we're manifesting. Now, before we get too heated about that, because that's dumb shit, and I want to be clear here. Mm-hmm. Whatever, like, wage slave intern they have running that Twitter account, Mm -hmm. it is not their fault this is happening. No, I'm sure they were probably told to do that. Yes. Do not harass the person in charge of Panera Bread's Twitter account. This is not their fault. No, but people have been responding to the the official Panera Twitter Mm -hmm. account saying, real sensitive, you're losing our, you know, you're losing our business, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. I wrote a blog post about it. Right, like you do. Like I do. This is a big issue. Mm -hmm. I have heard from people who have responded to the the blog post. Some people have said, yeah, I've had experiences like this is why I won't, you know, tell people at work that I'm a witch or that I'm a pagan, things like that. I've had some people who said, hey, Panera's fine. I've never had a problem and I've worked there. And Jackson and I were talking about this the other day and he made a really good point. He said, just because it hasn't happened to you, doesn't mean it's not important and that the company shouldn't be held accountable. So I'm no longer buying anything from Panera Bread. I used to love that company. I used to eat there quite a bit before. The bread bowls. Yeah, the bread bowls and the soup, man. But no, no longer. Now I'm not going to have to buy sourdough loaves and put and our own soup. Put in our there. own soup in there <laughs> because I'm not going to support a company that is obviously hostile, at least in this particular instance, mm-hmm. to one of their employees. Right. Can I answer a question from sure, Swan? Sure. Swan said, are you sure the two are related, the firing and the tweet? Rabbit said, what are the chances they're not? But the, the point is, whether they're related or not, mm-hmm. that whoever is in charge of Twitter for Panera. It was um, bad timing. It was extremely bad timing right. if it wasn't. It's it, it's entirely possible this was something yeah. that was just in their queue, Q, yep. already prepared to go out, because the people who run t- corporate Twitter accounts mm-hmm. are not even, like, marketing people. Mm-hmm. They are usually very low-paid, bottom-of-the-totem pole. Interns. Interns, yeah. minimum wage or less, who are, like, corporate is not briefing them. No, that's true. So, but it did come three days after the lawsuit. The time, the at, so at the, the very least, the timing is bad. Is bad. Yes, yeah. it's not a good look for Panera. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying the the end of the human being behind the Twitter account right. is probably not the one at fault here. Right, it could have been a scheduled tweet. Like exactly. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, it was a very poorly timed tweet. But I did also read um, religionnews.com did a story on this whole thing talking about the lawsuit. But they they interviewed Selena Fox. She's a venerable pagan uh, within one of the classics. The community, and she's part of the Lady Liberty League, who has. Since the 70s, people, I believe, Phyllis Karat, uh, who was a lawyer and a high priestess, mm-hmm. who she worked very hard to get Wicca recognized as a religion in the United States. Set some case law. Yeah, set some case law. You know, And that's one of the things Selena said is that they help pagans who are going to lose their kids, their jobs, their homes. 
things like that. That's one of the things that Lady Liberty League has been doing since the 70s. And she did say, and I thought this was something we needed to talk about too, mm -hmm. that in the past four years, there has been an, an uptick, yeah, an uh, increase. An a substantial increase of this kind of religious discrimination against anyone in, who, the, United in the United States yeah. who is pagan in types of situations. And I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily just pagan. I would say any minority religion. Yeah, any of the minority. I should say, yeah. Exactly. Any of the minority religions. But she says they've been seeing an uptick cases that they need to assist on gotcha. since in the last four years because previous administration emboldened a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And that includes a lot of companies that are narrowly focused when it comes to their Which religion right. they want to see protected. Yeah, Exactly. And even though it's against the law to discriminate, right. people still try to get away with it. But the trouble with anti-discrimination laws is that they're only enforceable if you as an individual are willing to take someone to court over it. Exactly. And I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to Tammy McCoy and her husband because they're going up mm -hmm. against a huge corporation. Yeah. And I'm sure it took a long time to get together what sh whatever she needs in order to take this to court. One of the things Selena Fox did say was, because, you know, someone will say, well, it, I've never had a problem. What's the big deal? Just mm -hmm. live your life, be happy, and stop being so sensitive. Mm -hmm. And what Selena says is, it doesn't just affect one person. It, it affects the entire community. Because if one person is... If you get away with it once. If you get away with it once, it's going to continue to happen. And so that's why Lady Liberty League and ACLU and all these other you know, organizations, they're out there to represent people whose rights are being violated. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't challenge people using the law, especially big corporations are going to be able to get away with this shit. We saw this starting with the Hobby Lobby decision in 2014, mm -hmm. which was before the previous administration. 45 came in in 2016. But the Hobby Lobby decision that gave the corporation of Hobby Lobby the right to refuse certain medical insurance needs, in particular contraception, because of the owner's religious objection to contraception, was a really bad decision for religious freedom, mm -hmm. fr freedom from religious discrimination in the United States, because mm -hmm. it allows one person's religious expression to infringe on another person's mm -hmm other rights. Exactly. Exactly. And you do hear a lot. You hear Christians saying that they're the ones who are being discriminated against. They're not. They're the ones who are doing the discriminating. They have a very powerful lobby. In the they United have a States. very powerful yeah. lobby. So first I want to bring up that Panera is owned by an investment firm mm. who invests particularly in fast food, fast casual dining. Okay. Um, so for those of you all who are interested in not not supporting supporting mm -hmm. them, um, they own Keurig Dr Pepper Group, okay, Panera Caribou Coffee. For those of you in the UK, Preta Manager, Einstein Brothers Bagels, 
So, I mean, they own quite a bit yeah, yeah. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like most mega corporations. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. And they're, they're an investment group. So, I mean, they don't know how much control they have over it. Uh, but you can look them up at uh, jabholeco.com or mm-hmm. JAB Holdings. And as we'll be talking about later, if you want things to happen in capitalist society, mm-hmm. you got to follow the money. Visit the Birmingham Violin Studio, where our Tiger Kirsten Gill has been teaching violin for anyone ages seven and up for the last 20 years. Kristen tailors each lesson specifically to the student, since all people are unique individuals with their own learning style. Rather than teaching from a single method or book, Kristen has a master's of music and violin performance and has played with professional ensembles, including the Orchestra Iowa, the Florida Grand Opera, the Palm Beach Symphony, and the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra, as well as Casey and the Sunshine Band, the Beach Boys, and a pre-American idol, Kelly Clarkson. Due to social distancing, the Birmingham Violin Studio has pivoted to providing online instruction. And Kirsten is offering listeners of Three Pagans and a Cat their first two lessons free when they sign up for two months of lessons. Twins Garden Gems! Okay, today I'm talking about Sweet Woodruff, which is Gallium Odoratum. And the reason it is called odoratum is because it smells very sweet. (laughs) It has kind of an earthy aroma that's almost like people have described it as fresh mown hay or... Uh, Sweet grassy. Yeah, like sweet grassy with a little bit of vanilla, you know, maybe a little honey flavoring kind of thing going on. It's... It's very, very popular in the Middle Ages. They used to put it in bedding, and they used to put it in places that needed to be a little fresh. (laughs) Uh, But it is a perennial flowering plant. It's native to Europe, but can be found in scattered uh, locations in North America. It is a bit of a traveler because it has ground runners. Uh-huh. So you have to be kind of careful of that. It grows to be about a foot tall. Okay, so I was going to ask if you could just like plant it in your yard so you had a nice smell well, yard. Well, but... you can actually because it does because of those runners, it does be- it becomes good ground cover. Okay. Dark green whorls of leaves with little white star-shaped flowers. Mm. And then these bristly little berries that get caught on animals fur and things like that. <laughs> so you don't want the berries. Mm. But the leaves and the uh, flowers are what people use. And it's been used for medicinal purposes. It's been used in food for, you know, in tea. It's been, it's very popular in wine and beer. Like for instance, with the medicinal uses, it's good for the kidney and liver, you know, and digestive functions. Um, it's good for uterine cramps and menopause, which means that it's not safe for pregnant or uh, nursing. It does tend to be kind of a laxative. So, you know, you to be careful there <laughs> but it also is good for uh relieving inflammation so it has kind of a, a pain relief reducing aspect as well and in larger doses it has kind of a tranquilizing effect it does have coumarin in it which is what gives it its scent and is the basis of coumadin which is a blood thinner Oh. So you also have to be aware if you're using yeah. sweet woodruff that it is te- it is a blood, a blood thinner. thinner. So, so it you, sounds like there could be a lot of interactions with other medications. Could be. So, so you, you know, but it is uh, your popular to use for May Day wine. And I have a very quick little recipe for May wine. You can take a bottle of white wine, nice white wine, not the cheap shit that I <laughs> bought that one time, nice white wine and a cup of dried sweet woodruff, or you can get fresh and then and lay it out and let it dry over a couple of hours. Heat the wine, put the woodruff in there, let it steep for several hours, strain it, and then enjoy. But it does prefer rich soils and low humidity, but it will tolerate sandy soil. And you want to put them about 12 inches apart if you're going to plant them 
in your garden. And remember, it does have runners, so mm-hmm. watch out for it spreading. Do the raised beds. And it does not like full sun. It needs to be in moderate to shade. Moderate to dense shade, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it, it likes to be cool and comfy. Magical uses, well, again, it is uh, May Day rituals and Valpurgis Noct is what it's most often used for. It is used for fertility, abundance, prosperity, wealth, happiness. You can use sweet woodruff to ward off evil or dispel negative energy. So you can make charms and, and uh, with the flowers and the leaves. It is associated with fire and Mars. That is it, sweet woodruff. That's it for Quinn's Garden Gems. Yellow Key, we had comments. I think the biggest thing, as easy as it is for me too, is to fight for justice, but to avoid the us versus them mindset. This is individuals abusing their religion to abuse others, not Christianity itself. That's broadly speaking true. However, as we mentioned, Christianity has a huge lobbying group. The mm-hmm. Christian, the conservative Christian right in particular, mm-hmm. has an extremely powerful and wealthy lobbying group in the mm-hmm. United States that gives them a tremendous amount of political authority. Yes, exactly. They have they have a law center that, you know, if they feel like they're mm-hmm. being discriminated against because they're, you know, don't want to sell cakes to gay people uh-huh. or whatever. Or the owner of Hobby Lobby doesn't want the insurance he's for forced to give to his employees to cover because abortion. that's how we cover or even contraception or contraception because yeah. that's how we cover people in this country is right. through their employers christianity is still the overculture in this country mm-hmm. and so while it is popular for a certain sect mm-hmm. to claim that they are being discriminated against for a variety of reasons, there is more evidence that minority religions are the ones who are actually being discriminated against in, and, the, in um, those types of situations. And L makes sort of a counterpoint here, which is that individual Christians are usually not the problem. It's the conglomerate that gives us issues. And that's, I think, broadly speaking, true. Most of the individual Christians Mm -hmm. that I know and have known in my life, which is most of the people I've known, Mm -hmm. because it is still the the majority religion in this country, Mm -hmm. um, most most of the Christians I know are not intentionally being assholes. No. If they are, if they hurt someone, it's usually by accident. They may or may not be receptive to being educated. But the harm that individuals can do is Mm. substantially lesser than the harm that groups Mm -hmm. can do. And in the case of this woman at the Panera location in Pennsylvania, these were women who were in authority over her, mm-hmm. you know, and they were ganging up on her. And they and it wasn't like they were using their power as individuals to harass this woman. They were using their power as representatives of, Panera. of the authority of the company she worked for. Mm-hmm. And I think somebody also made the point. It's like, you know, we already we're already a minority religion. If we ignore we're many minority, religions. yes, we're many minority religions. You know, we don't want to take a step backward. Mm-hmm. We don't want to say, oh, well, live and let live. This was only one Panera location mm-hmm. or this was only one person's issue with Situation. their spouse or one apartment complex or one neighbor. If we do that, if we don't speak out, if we don't stand up for ourselves and these individuals, then it's just going to continue. And I think it's worth bearing in mind that those individual instances that make the news that we actually hear about happening, A, those are not the only instances happening. Oh no. Those are just the only reported instances that Mm -hmm. are drawing attention. And B, 
even if those were the only legally objectionable offenses, right? Mm -hmm. Even if everything else was microaggressions or it was under the surface, those are still concerning eruptions mm -hmm. of an underlying mentality, right? Mm -hmm. Because those things don't happen and we've seen this in the last four years. These things don't happen unless the culture at large makes people feel more comfortable and safe expressing this, these kind of discriminatory behaviors. Exactly. And Finn said, I'm fairly confident this happens daily. Yeah. I, I think so, too. I can I can report when I was working, when we actually, when we first started this podcast, mm -hmm. I was in a, a temporary job at a bank and I was in their call center. These people were very, very sweet. I liked nice every, people. Nice people. I made a good friend. They were really sweet, nice people. That's how I found my friend was I was wearing my jewelry. I was, mm -hmm. you know, I had sigils on my desk. And she recognized the, the sigils and she said, are you a pagan? And I said, yes, I'm a pagan witch. And she said, oh, that's great. My boyfriend is a witch. You know, and we, you know, we got together. But there was this, even though they were nice to my face, mm -hmm. nobody ever said anything to me overtly. Everybody was still very nice. When I had my cancer scare, they were very kind. But there would be these whispers and there would be this undercurrent, undercurrent of a certain group of people who were very vocal very Christians, very devout vocal Christians. And because I wasn't hiding it, I had mm -hmm. to leave a, a training session, which I had cleared with my supervisor. Somebody shouted out, hey, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to a pagan festival to teach about witchcraft. And everybody, the, the, you could have heard the silence. A pin drop, <laughs> you know? It was not what they were expecting <laughs> to hear. You know, but again, nobody was mean to me. There was definitely this a vibe. vibe within a certain sector even when it is not even, overt. even when it doesn't come out because they'll in make, your face exactly because they'll make statements say something about my jewelry mm -hmm. and they go well i'm not afraid of that because i have jesus you know that kind of those kind of things you're not supposed to be afraid of it honey yeah and take a breath karen along with some other things that happened that i was like or they'd be looking at me and whisper 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 mm -hmm. looking at me you know so i knew that they were freaked out about the fact that i was a witch and i was not hiding it you get to wear a cross to work i get to wear my mm -hmm. I, to, to exactly. work. You know, exactly. I just didn't talk about it openly unless somebody asked me otherwise i didn't say anything but they were very open about their christianity even before they found out i was which. And I think that's the the big difference. I'm seeing a lot of people here in the Discord saying that this is why they don't talk about their religion at work. They just don't bring it up with people. They avoid the conversation. They demur. They right. say they don't want to talk about it or whatever when they're mm -hmm. especially at work in a place of employment. You know, your livelihood is contingent on keeping this job. And I think that's a that's a significant difference in how people who are participants in minority religions feel versus mm -hmm. how people in majority religion feel mm -hmm. right in a majority religion you can talk about your if, if you're a christian in the united states where that is the majority religion yep. you can talk about christianity all day long at worst you're going to get an atheist roll their eyes at you i tend to look at christians and say you know that th this is what they're taught to do because yeah, exactly. i was too 
Right. I have sympathy right. for it. And and so I have a sympathy for yeah. them because I understand like this is what they've been taught to do as far as like the proselytizing and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But when it comes down to it's affecting your job, right. then it becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. Right. We live under capitalism. You need one to live. Right. I'm one of 12 owners mm-hmm. of the brewery, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the only pagan. Multiple Christians and a bunch of atheists. Right. Mm -hmm. But I hired a kitchen witch to be my bar manager, which makes great mixed drinks because because, (laughs) it's a kitten witch. A kitten witch. A kitten witch. A kitchen witch. The comeback. The comeback Um, of the kitten witch. My bar manager said to me today, you know, it's great to be able to work in a place where A, nobody cares that I'm a pagan, B, nobody cares that I'm a lesbian, Mm -hmm. C, nobody, you know, it's like, Nobody cares there, mm-hmm. just, you know, and wouldn't it be nice if it's all companies were that exactly. way and it just didn't matter, you know, what your personal if, beliefs were so long as you worked well for the company. If non-discrimination wasn't uh, something you had to fight for, go yeah. actually get a lawyer and sue someone to have. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It is a lot more um, socially acceptable, I think, to be an atheist even mm-hmm. than to be a pagan. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and it's also, and I don't want to leave out other religions either. We're focusing on paganism here because we're all pagans. Yeah, exactly. But anti-Semitism is on the rise. Mm-hmm. Islamophobia has been high since oh, 2001. Gosh. Yeah. I know plenty of people who would much prefer an atheist to a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the Sikhs and, mm-hmm. you know, the Baha'i faiths. And you've got so many religions, you know, so many different religions out mm-hmm. there. But, and some of them are major religions. I mean, Judaism and yeah, Islam are major those religions. Those are major religions. Hinduism. But they're not major the major religions Exactly. Here. In this country. And so they can be targeted mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. for bigotry. For and abuse again, and discrimination. Exactly. And I think it's what you said earlier is important just because it's not on the national stage mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not happening right and i think we need to be honest about that yeah so one of the things i wanted to talk about is like we talk about things from a very u.s centric mm. right thing because we're mm. based in the we're united here. states this is where but most I of actually, our news comes from i actually did a little bit of research so yeah look into um, internationally so, you know, neo-pagans are the religious minority in every country where they exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we right. don't, obviously we don't have a majority. Right, no. yep. And they are subject to religious discrimination and or persecution in every country that they exist mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. The largest communities of neo-pagans are in North America, so the U.S. and Canada, mm-hmm. and the United Kingdom. In the United States, we are not required to put our religion down on any piece of paperwork. Official documentation. Uh, right. And so the only thing we have are studies done by like the Pew Council. Mm-hmm. So according to the Pew Council, 40 years ago, there were 1 million pagans in the United States. Mm-hmm. Which um, is about the population of Manhattan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that's way under. Oh, yeah. But yeah. part of that is people are scared to tell. Exactly. Right. And so some people consider themselves spiritual, not religious, and right. some witches don't consider some witches themselves don't consider pagan. Themselves right. pagan. Yeah. So, so they're not going to mark anything. So it depends on how granular their data is getting. Yeah. Right. So I just just point out a couple of things here. So like in Australia, Olivia Watts charged the mayor of uh, the city of Casey, a guy named Rob Wilson, of violating the Racial and Religious Tolerance Act. He said that she was the leader of a satanic cult that was out to take over Casey. That was uh, settled 
out of court. Uh-huh. And uh, he, Wilson released a statement saying Watts was indeed not a Satanist in the way I thought of it. So in the that, way I thought Right, of it. yeah. That must have been a condition of the settlement. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, regret for any hurt felt by Miss Watts and the consequences. Those forced apologies never I Yeah, know. yeah, they never turn you out well. Can, we'll get you can tell. So Hellenic neo-paganism has been on the uprise in Greece, mm-hmm. but in Greece, Greek Orthodox Church mm-hmm. is the state religion, mm-hmm. and so they have been squashed there. Although in 2006, Athens court did order that worship of the old Greek gods could be unbanned, and that places of worship should have to be recognized. Well, then that's something. I know progress. There, yeah, yeah, that's so. progress. I know that there's a lot of work being done at various temples yeah. where pagans in Greece are are trying to, to get, least, access. get access yeah. to them. Yeah. yeah, there's been quite a few things going on in the UK since 1985 abuses that have been brought to court and that kind of stuff and uh looks like just about every one they have won mm-hmm. um because it's usually very unambiguous cases of discrimination yeah, right, yeah. like what happened with this woman mm-hmm. it's bad. she couldn't have used language no. more perfectly primed to be explicit religious discrimination exactly but she felt perfectly comfortable doing that because of course she did mm-hmm. in the u.s we've had all kinds of crap going on with wiccan soldiers in the army and all that kind of stuff though they did in in 2016 release a u.s army chaplain from service because he switched from Pentecostal Christian to Wiccan, and the new church that he was affiliated with was not set up to have a chaplaincy in the uh, armed forces, Mm -hmm. and the church that he left disbarred him when he did it, and so they actually fired him. Wow. Yeah, even though he had had an exemplary record. And like you were saying, you know, people don't have to put down what their religion is. I have worked at a few Christian places where you have to put down... Oh, yeah, yeah, I got to sign an affidavit saying you're a Christian. Discuss the moral codes. Oh, my God. (laughs) So... I, I used to work at a mega church, and I refused to sign mine, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and they let me through anyway. Uh, yeah, because they needed you to run sound for them. <laughs> because they would required that I not consume alcohol mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. smoke. I would abstain from you, you know. You were supposed to not curse. Trends. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to cuss. I, I was really bad at that right now. I was good for a while. And to be clear, this was not just you can't do these things at work. No, this was anywhere. Mm-hmm. The moral codes at churches and at religious organizations are attempts to control your entire life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and then tithing was auto- automatically deducted from my from paycheck, paycheck, which yeah. takes away the whole purpose of the thing. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be an offering. <laughs> but but I've worked I've worked at Christian places mm-hmm. where I had to sign affidavits stating when I accepted Jesus mm-hmm. as my Savior, what year, what church I have attended in the past. All this kind of stuff. I did for a while on one of my many attempts to find a job when I was a teenager. Look at what it would take to get hired at Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. But I was already not a Christian by then. And I realized I would have to sign a piece of paper saying that I was one. And, yeah. and I was like, well, that would be a lie. So... Right. I guess I can't work at Chick-fil-A. Yep, and now, of course, we don't even... Chick-fil-A, we uh, have nothing yeah. to do with for but, but like, multiple reasons. Chick-fil-A is not a religious eatery. It's a fast food joint. Yes, mm-hmm. but it is owned by a It's owned by a bunch of Christians, yeah. But, but my question is, just because it's owned by a bunch of Christians, why does that give them a right to police the the religious affiliations of employees at their fast food joint? Because it is... They're not high, selling God. Religious, they're religious... Right, which is what Chick- mm-hmm. uh, which is what Hobby Lobby was was saying. Yep. they are family owned. They are Christian. This is their belief. 
and they have a right to have these stipulations as far as Chick-fil-A doesn't open on Sunday because they're privately held companies. And if nobody challenges that, if nobody challenges that, it remains the norm. And the thing is, as a privately held company, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah, exactly. It is what it is um, in the United States. But it's some real bullshit that that's how it is. Right. But that's the way the laws are currently written. Mm -hmm. Um, If they were a public company, the laws would be different. I I don't agree with it at all, but I get like, this is what the law is currently. Legally, they're allowed right. to. They're legally, legally, they're allowed to. Their law is just bad. And, and let's face it, how many people, I mean, we have all these holidays that are based around Christian holidays. Mm-hmm. How many people ask for their, you know, how many pagans and witches yeah, Finn was saying ask earlier, for their holidays? Finn was saying earlier he doesn't ask for pagan holidays because no. he doesn't want anyone to notice. It's a, to get, and to get plaque for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I need to read one thing from Britt. Okay. I don't like my waffle fries with a side of homophobia, so I haven't eaten there in years. There you yeah. go. Yep. <laughs> There you go. So anyway, join our Tiger Crystal at Apothecary Teas. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all the senses with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. This week, Oda's is recommending the White Ginger Pear, a white tea with all the flavors that are found on the tin. Find them at apothecaryteastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas, LLC. So delicious. Mm-hmm. It's time for Oats! Stone Corner! Hail Dictinus! There we go. Tonight, I'm going to talk about Sugalite. Sugalite, often mispronounced Sugalite, was discovered in 1944 by Japanese gemologist Kenichi Sugi. And it's a hard G, and it is mispronounced all the time because... No one knows how to pronounce Japanese names. No one outside of Japan. So it's Sugalite. It is an opaque to translucent crystal. It is purple in sort of a range, but the the best known specimens of Sugalite are a really sort of vivid, what's described as a grape jelly purple. A little more in the red range than like an amethyst is, although you will occasionally get a Sugalite that's sort of amethyst adjacent. Mm -hmm. They're very deep, bright, vivid purples. That's because of actually manganese impurities in the stone. So Sugalite on its own, and as it was originally discovered in Japan, is sort of a yellow-green crystal. Mm -hmm. So they didn't find now popularly known purple sugalite until they found a vein in Wessel in um, South Africa, I think. So sometimes you'll see it it called Wesselite, but it is all technically sugalite. It just has different impurities that give it um, different degrees of this strong purple color. It is a Mohs 5.5 to 6.5. So it is slightly more durable, but it is less hard than quartz, so quartz will still scratch it. You are therefore recommended, because a lot of household dust actually has tiny, tiny quartz filaments in it, you are recommended not to dust clean a sugalite specimen with just like a rag, because if it's picked up any dust, it might have tiny, tiny quartz filaments, and that'll scratch up your stone. So the best way to clean sugalite and other softer than quartz stones is to run them under water and dry them with a, a damp cloth like that you've wrung out so that it's less likely to have quartz dust on it. Crystal specimens of Sugalite are relatively rare. It's found in about a half a dozen places. The veins that you find, the especially the individual specimens that you find, tend to be relatively large. Mm. So unlike a lot of stones where the price goes up as the carrots go up, as you get larger and larger specimens, the price of Sugalite actually doesn't change as much with the size of the 
the specimen because large specimens of sugalite are fairly common. The price of sugalite varies with the intensity of the purple color. Really deep, vibrant purples are going for something like $25 a carat. Lighter sugalite purples are going for more like $16 a carat. It often has sort of a, a mottled quality, especially when viewed up close. That doesn't degrade the value of it at all. That's just how sugalite is. But as a consequence of that, and because it's relatively rare, well, you'll find quote unquote sugalite mm sold on the market a lot that is actually dyed marble because the patterning on marble and the the texture of the grain is similar, similar to, to sugalite. So they'll just get like a white marble, they'll dye it purple, and they'll throw it on the market for, you know, some stupidly low price. Sometimes you'll find dyed and heat-treated barrel being sold as sugalite. So um, there, are, there are quite a few imitations mm. out there. It's not super easy to distinguish Aside from price tag, mm -hmm. whether you're looking at genuine sugalite or a fake. Marble is only about a most three, so if it's marble, fake sugalite, you'll be able to scratch it with things that wouldn't scratch genuine sugalite. But other than that, But if you do that at a vendor, that's going to be an exactly. issue. Exactly. They're not going to be happy with you. Yeah. What do you use sugalite for? Magically, it's... It has a very sort of healing, forgiving energy. Associations with kings and royalty and not necessarily divinity, but sort of any of the, the kingly gods or, or the queenly gods. Forgiveness through that axis, if that makes sense. Healing through that axis. Gotcha. So there yeah. used to be a thing in the Middle Ages called the Royal Touch, referenced actually in Tolkien, mm. uh, with um, the hands of a king yeah. are, are the hands of a healer. So it was a belief that if you were suffering from certain ailments, if a king or a queen touched you, that would heal these specific diseases. Mm -hmm. um, and sugalate has that kind of energy, bringing healing on from a higher source. So that's it for Odes! Stone! Corner! Justin has a question from Aaron that I thought would be Aaron? interesting. If it's permitted to not hire non-Christians at Chick-fil-A or Hobby Lobby, could they actually use the same type of thing for race, for racial mm -hmm. you know, discrimination, especially if they said, it's against my religion for you to be X or trans, etc. Mm -hmm. I don't think they can get away with it as far as racial, know, minorities. racial minorities. But I do think they can get away with it transgender people. I think it would at least probably have to go to a court. <laughs> you know, that was one of the things that our previous administration was doing was taking mm -hmm. away all a lot of protections. protections from transgender people that had sort of just been just been added, added to the language and then started to you know and so currently I think our current administration is attempting to rectify that situation mm -hmm. because we do now have a transgender assistant health director yeah. so that's cool I did want to bring up another topic that I think kind of flows into this it's not religious discrimination okay. but it is using the word witch as a, a derogatory Slam, which I think can go. This then. comes from the Michigan GOP. Yeah. Oh, yes. For those of you who haven't read my other blog post <laughs> or seen, Gwen's been, been busy. I've been busy this week because the very next day after the Panera situation, I was sent two articles about GOP leader for Michigan, Ron Weiser, during a Thursday meeting where he was being recorded by someone called Gretchen Whitmer, our governor, the Attorney General Dana Nessel, and the social, uh, the Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. He called them those three witches, 
And at another point, he said, we're going to soften them up to get them ready to be burned at the stake in the 2022 election. So I wrote a blog post about the fact that it was misogynistic. It was incendiary. It was all the bad things. And I think it plays into this discrimination of minority religions because we have, through generations and of American history, of European history, all the way back to biblical times, a prejudice against those who practice witchcraft, sorcery, magic, and so the occult. the occult. And so, you know, even though witchcraft is right now really aesthetically popular, mm-hmm. you know, and it's and in the mainstream, it's okay to be a witch. We have all these Sabrina the Teenage Witch shit and all this kind of stuff on TV, which is still used as a slur. Right. It's a derogatory as term. a derogatory term against women, specifically cis women, even though anyone can be a witch. To some extent, I think it's that they realized they couldn't get away with bitch. Yeah. And witch sounds very similar. Mm -hmm. The real problem from that, though, came with the burning them at the stake comment. He was like, oh, people, you know, you're... You're being too sensitive. Mm-hmm. You're I was taken out of context. I was taken out of context and, and things like all that. What's your context for that, man? Right? Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was hostile. And there, these three women have been receiving all kinds of credible death threats mm-hmm. for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Right. For him to say something like that was not just inappropriate. It was in an era where people are, especially in his party, are taking their leadership's words as gospel, just, as justification for mm-hmm. hostile, sometimes murderous acts. Mm-hmm. Boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. Yeah. After, the, after the whole explosion that led to the Capitol riot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're still out there. Spouting. Spouting? Spouting. Spouting. Spouting bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yes, right now we are. Paganism is on the rise. Witchcraft is on the rise in North America. You know, more and more people are coming out of the closet, although we're finding out reasons why many are staying in the closet. Mm-hmm. As we've said before, if that's the safest thing for you, absolutely do, absolutely do that. Yeah. I mean, I wrote another post that said, and I do truly believe this, it, that there's never been a better time to be a witch because of the resources, mm-hmm. opportunities to gather together to find one another even if it's just online even mm-hmm. if you can't find someone face to face to work with or be in community with we have we're more all, connected than we're we've ever more been. connected than we have ever been we have more material on on paganism and witchcraft and all those things than we've ever had before so it's a great time right now to be a witch but that doesn't mean that we rest on our laurels that we rest on our laurels and don't pay attention when people use the word witch or pagan or anything else in a a derogatory fashion or a mocking fashion. Mm -hmm. There's a fine balance to strike here, right? Mm -hmm. Where we need to stay in the public eye because capitalism. Because capitalism. But we need to control the narrative in which we are visible. Exactly. This is something the heathen community has been dealing with a lot for a long time and will continue to deal with. Uh, The popular image of a heathen is of a racist white good old boy who has just traded out his clan robe for a Mjolnir. And that's not a 100% wrong assessment Mm -hmm. because those people do exist and they are the loudest, most visible, most public members of the community. We can't let that continue because then they get to drive the narrative about what a heathen is. And that's why I think witches cannot allow people like Ron Weiser, who did after three or two days of pressure and an afternoon of, of going, oh, you're just being too sensitive, 
did finally make an apology, one of those fake apologies, those fake apologies. Yeah. delivered at gunpoint, yeah. written mm-hmm. by a scriptwriter. <laughs> exactly, because he was getting a lot of heat for what he said, mm-hmm. and calls to resign, and all mm-hmm. you know from all the things that he's involved in. Well, the thing is, he doesn't even have a real job. No, right. So he's the head of the Michigan party, and he's on the board of regents for this University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. So his job is being a politician. His job, is, his job is be rich. Right. Yeah, exactly. Be rich and loud. And white. And yeah. I do think yeah. that's important to note. He's not part of the Michigan Senate. No. Or Congress. No, no he's, 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 no, just, he's, he's just the leader of the Michigan party. party. He's yeah. just rich and loud. The GOP. Of, the, of the GOP in Michigan. So I want to talk about capitalism a little and bit. And controlling our own narrative. Yeah, I want to talk about capitalism a little bit. Gwen and I talked about this before while getting drunk at Valhalla. That's right. <laughs> it was a great time. Something that I think is overlooked because we, especially in the United States, we like to talk about how our democracy will solve the problems. And now that we've got 45 out and we're on to Biden, we're like, oh, okay, well... Now we have methods in place and we can get back to being a real country again. (laughs) And first of all, don't let Biden rest on his fucking laurels either. He's already started. But more importantly, democracy is a hell of a lot less important for gaining rights than capitalism is. Exactly. Because we live in a capitalist society and everything here is driven by money. Mm Mm-hmm. When I talk about the big fundamentalist Christian right lobbies, their power comes from money. Mm -hmm. They pay people to make bills that they like. That's how they make things happen. That's why it's important, like, for the LGBTQ community Uh to not support Chick-fil-A or any of these other companies. When I say capitalism is how you get rights, I'm speaking very much from a position of having watched queer rights develop over time. Mm -hmm. Your grassroots civil rights movement is great and important, and laws do have to happen, but how those laws happen is that someone with money realizes you're a market. Mm-hmm. That that if you exist as a discrete group, they can market to you more effectively mm-hmm. and sell you things to make them more money. Which is why we were talking about, at Valhalla while getting drunk, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that several years ago, a company was putting out their starter witch kit. Yeah. And it had samples of their perfume. We talked about it when yeah, yeah. exactly. We talked yeah. about it when it happened. Had samples of their perfume, had a crystal, had, had some sage. sage, that kind of thing. And the witch community lost their fucking minds mm-hmm. about it and got really upset. And about so, the appropriation. About the appropriation and all that kind of stuff. And, you, you know, which don't make fun of my religion mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Here's the thing, though. And, and so they took it away. They took it away. They didn't do it. But the thing is, we actually, the, the witch community actually hurt themselves. We shot ourselves in the foot with that. We shot ourselves in the foot with that because it's the companies, the people with the money who go, oh. If we make it so that those people can be legally recognized as a group, they'll start listing it on their Mm -hmm. profiles. It'll become part of their digital data signature Mm -hmm. and we can market shit to them easier to make more money for ourselves. And that is how you get money into politics when you don't have it. And that's how you become legitimate in the eyes of of capitalism. capitalism. Trust me, I get it fucking sucks that that's reality. Mm -hmm. I don't like capitalism. I'm a hard leftist. If we could get rid of capitalism overall, I'd be thrilled. But this is where we live right now. Exactly. So use it. Also written about this, we've got shops on, Mm -hmm. on Square, on eBay, who are being closed down because they're selling occult products and occult services Mm -hmm. because they are listed in their prohibited areas. 
right alongside white supremacy and racism. Mm -hmm. And so how do we combat that? You know, all we're saying is you can't shut me down. You can't shut me down. But what you do is make these products valuable, valuable yeah. right. to these to eBay and to, you know, you take them out of this. Right now, the for entertainment purposes only, mm -hmm. it's not enough anymore. Yeah. They don't care. They're still taking people's shops away. And it's harder to start a brick and mortar store. Mm -hmm. But it is unfortunately, it is through capitalism that we're going to make our voices heard. Mm -hmm. and legitimate. Mm -hmm. Because while we are gaining a foothold through media, through the television programs and the movies that popularize us, there are still more that are condemning us as evil. And that's not what we want. And having observed the, the queer community's progress, that's going to keep happening. There are mm -hmm. still plenty of people condemning the queer community as evil. Mm -hmm. But there are more companies selling rainbow shit every June. Yeah, it is a it is a long, slow, arduous process. And the the sooner we understand where the power lies mm -hmm. in our society, the more we can utilize it and get our own message and control our own narrative. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with media. It has a lot to do with convincing media outlets mm -hmm. to cover pagan subjects mm -hmm. uh, more fairly. And not just at Halloween. Uh -huh. To do it with better language, mm -hmm. um, more thoughtfully. It means calling out media sources or, or media outlets when they use reductive language. Mm -hmm. There was a, an article a couple of months ago that described in the text heathens as white supremacists. No nuance, just heathens are white supremacists. Mm -hmm. um, it was about the capital thing because Mr. Q Shaman was there. The writer got pushed back. The, the paper got pushed back from the heathen community that was paying attention. And the language in that article was changed. Mm -hmm. Rochelle, who says, to cover us without mocking us, that's it exactly. Exactly, yeah. That is it exactly. Not, on, with, not only, only mocking. Only mocking, yes. yeah. yeah. We were saying mocking, if it legitimizes you, is still not the best way to be legitimized, yeah. but it's still a an avenue. It's, yes. It's not ideal, no, right. but it's, it's not better than want. nothing. Now I think it's time for Cars Feast Table. Cars Feast Table. I really wish more people could see <laughs> you do that. But anyway, Cars Feast Table for this month mm -hmm. is a lemon and lavender cake. Mm -hmm. I will read these to you. I can then make this because uh -huh. I have lemon and lavender. Uh -huh. You have half a cup of butter served at room temperature to make the spell go smoothly. Mm. Half a cup of sugar to sweeten up the spell. Two eggs to add creative energy. One and a half cups of self-rising flour to bring in prosperity. One eighth a teaspoon of salt to add protection. A quarter of a cup of milk to add energy to the goddess. One lemon zested to call in friendship. One teaspoon of lavender to call in peace. And a half a teaspoon of vanilla extract to call in love. Nice. Sounds like a good cake. Sounds like a very good cake. So that's the cake that you put together. You put it all in a large bowl. You add it all together, blah, blah, blah. You incorporate it. You fold it in. You all know how to make cake, right? Um, <laughs> Separate your, you know, mix your wet ingredients, mix your dry right. ingredients, pour the wet ingredients into the dry ingredients. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yep. Everybody knows how to make a cake. Anyway, and then you're going to add the milk at the very end. Okay. Stir it one last time. The batter will be super thick. You pour it into a prepared bread tin and bake for 45 minutes or until the skewer you poke into it comes out clean. During the last 10 minutes of baking to make a cake moistening drizzle with one and a half lemons and seven eighths of a cup of powdered sugar, 
into a small bowl and you want to dump that all poke holes in the cake dump it in so it all soaks into it mm, i love that when it comes out and it's cooled and you want to in a small bowl mix together one and a half cups of powdered sugar with the juice of half a lemon and spread that icing over top of the cake oh. and decorate it with a pinch of lavender i have all of these ingredients i know mm. what i'm doing tomorrow mm -hmm. we're gonna have cake <laughs> <laughs> excellent I love, right. I love lemon lavender stuff yes gwen makes a lemon lavender cookie that's also very good mm -hmm. i look forward to this cake very simple shortbread but i look forward to this cake as well i think we're done I think so. I mean, you know, because I think the most important thing that we're talking about here is that while we have a lot of freedom and liberties in this country, still work to do. There is still a lot of work to do. We need to reclaim our terms. And I know we've been doing that since like the 50s and 60s or whenever all of this started, really the 70s, probably in the United States, started reclaiming words like witch and pagan and heathen. That's ongoing work. It's ongoing work. We're still outnumbered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are still outnumbered. And there are still people who are being gaslighted, abused, and manipulated mm -hmm. just in fear of coming out to their families because their families are Christian. And when we see this kind of stuff, whether it is in the national setting or whether it's the person next door to us, we need to stand up for one another. Mm -hmm. Malcor says, be kind, take no shit. That's right. Yep. Uh, that sums it up. So that's it for this episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Mm -hmm. If you want to find out more about us, you can use this thing called Google. <laughs> um, it's available on most web browsers. It's uh, G-O-O-G-L-E, Google. He's so sarcastic. And uh, dot com, mm -hmm. just so you know. <laughs> and then it'll pop up and it'll have this weird bar at the top that says search. And you just type in the number three pagans and a cat mm -hmm. in that search. And uh, I, and then you it, press the search button. And you press the button or you can hit enter even mm -hmm. now. It's a mm -hmm. shortcut to get there. Then it will uh, populate all yeah. of this information. It's really weird. It, it's <laughs> kind of like. It's kind of like having a butler yeah. who you would just ask this question to, and he would go find all that and information. And his name's Google for some reason. Right. Yeah. It mm -hmm. used to be Jeeves, uh -huh. but now you his name's changed. Yeah, now yeah. you ask Google. I did do that, and I did find way at the bottom of the page that we are on Audible. And ah. can we follow, we can follow our podcast on Audible. Yes. Along with all the We're on practically I, everything we're else. We're on yeah. everything that, else. Actually. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool, and I'm following us on Audible now. <laughs> so why don't you follow us on Audible or Spotify or whatever or platform, tune in or tune in, yeah. whatever Podbean, you know, there's all these different platforms you can use, but we're I just Audible. use Google Podcasts, actually. There you go. <laughs> so find us, and we love you. You know we love you. Be good to yourselves and take care of each other. Yep. I'm going to you you press. I, I will. I'll press stop if you all are actually done. We are ready. Press, press stop. the button. Press 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 the button.